Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist Podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today, before I launch into the episode, I just want to deliver some exciting news. I am launching an eating disorder bite-sized therapy membership. So it's a Patreon, basically like a membership as an offshoot of this podcast. So if you already love the podcast and you really enjoy listening to these episodes and you find them really helpful, but you want to delve deeper to get more psychology, to get more tips and strategies and skills to use in your eating disorder recovery, or if you want to understand eating disorders so you can support your loved one better, this is going to be the place for you. It's only going to be five pounds a month, so really, really affordable and I will be posting videos and some audio content as well every week. So if you're interested, go to the link in the bio, in the show notes here, sorry, (laughs) or go to my bio on Instagram and you can go directly through to the membership there. So I really look forward to many of you joining and getting to know some of you better and there'll be an opportunity as well to request different topics as well if you want me to delve deeper into the education, the understanding, the psychology, the insights into eating disorders and recovery, just let me know. Just to say, it's not a substitute for one-to-one professional therapy. I want it to be a tool to support you because I'm so passionate on many, many people just being able to access therapy, to be able to get the support they want, to go to really access the tools and become more empowered and knowledgeable. But at the same time, of course, it's not a substitute for one-to-one therapy. So I just want to kind of say that as a disclaimer, but I hope that you will really find it helpful. And maybe if you're on a waiting list for NHS therapy, or maybe right now you can't afford to have private therapy, this could be an option as a support to help you while you're on that road. So yeah, so link to that in the show notes and also you can get to it via my bio on Instagram. Okay, so today is a bite-sized episode and a question again from one of you lovely listeners. So my listener is asking about recovery. She is feeling very stuck. She's had a relapse in eating disorder into her eating disorder and is getting some help for this. And she says that when she's in the therapy room, everything makes so much sense, but she's struggling to actually put things into action. She cannot initiate her meal plan. And she says, it feels like I'm frozen, scared to stay how I am, but also scared to change. So do you have any tips on trusting the process and doing what the treatment team is advising you to do? So what a great question. So I think so many people listening are going to relate to this because fundamentally an eating disorder is a coping strategy and often we can feel really, really ambivalent about change. Obviously, you know, there's part of you that might be going along to therapy, part of you is really seeking out help, part of you is completely fed up with it. But there's another part of you that may feel very, very scared of letting go. The eating disorder may be like a life raft It may be something that feels very safe. It may help you feel a sense of control. It may be helping you deal with difficult emotions. 
So understandably, you may have a lot of ambivalence around change. So just to say really, that is very, very normal. And I think, I don't think I've ever really worked with anyone in therapy who's come into the therapy room and just been like, right, I'm 100% in and ready to change right now. That is not usually the case. There's usually ambivalence. So I think it's important to be compassionate to yourself. If like the listener, you're feeling a bit in two minds about change, that is very understandable. So I'm gonna share three tips that can help with this to help you to wrestle with this ambivalence and help you to hopefully make some baby steps forward to really begin to embrace recovery. So my number one tip is get super focused about why you are on the eating disorder recovery journey in the first place. So if you have relapsed like my listener or maybe you are struggling for the first time, you know, this eating disorder is a coping mechanism and it's probably been triggered by life stresses or maybe you've got personal stuff going on that's been really difficult. So the eating disorder feels safe and known and it can anesthetize feelings, maybe give distraction or a sense of purpose or control when other areas of life feel overwhelming. Now, I don't think anyone ever wakes up one day and thinks, right, let's use an eating disorder as a coping strategy. (laughs) It's often something that you fall into. Maybe you start out by dieting or on a wellness journey with very, very good intentions, you know, in a way thinking that you're helping yourself. But then before you know it, it has become quite obsessive, quite compulsive. You have loads of rules. It starts to affect you physically and mentally and you're not doing so well, but it can still feel very, very challenging to let go of. So you probably recognize if you're listening to this as well, that the eating disorder isn't really a helpful solution for the long term, but it does feel quite seductive in the short term. And it probably feels a bit like your friend. And even if it's impacting your physical and mental well-being, you're going to probably be in two minds. But so important to remind yourself of your why. Why are you in the therapy room and wanting to turn things around anyway? You know, what's it all about? And it can be really helpful, you know, to think about if you continue with the eating disorder as a coping strategy, where's it going to end? Because particularly if you've had an eating disorder before and this is a relapse, you probably have some memory of where it ended and it probably wasn't particularly a happy place. And if you are struggling with an eating disorder for the first time, you know, if you think, again, where's it going to end? How much do you want it to be taking over your life? Where are you going to be in one or two or five years time? What are going to be the cost to your health if you continue as you are doing? What are going to be the cost to your relationships? And what will be the cost to your work, education, or career? And what about your hobbies and fun and pleasure? Often having an eating disorder can be pretty miserable and make life pretty restrictive and rigid. So getting very clear on remembering why is so, so important. And thinking about where you don't want to be can sometimes be quite a good motivator. Now, the flip side to this as well is thinking more about the hopeful side of recovery as well. You know, why do you want to recover? What are your hopes, dreams, and possibilities? What do you really, really desire in life? And people often really struggle with this because maybe you've never given yourself permission to really think about this fully. And maybe you are on a path that has been laid out for you. 
you know, perhaps you feel like you're, you have never really questioned the path that you're on, but when you really reflect on this, maybe you're living up to other people's expectations. Maybe you have taken job choices or um, study choices that weren't really your own, but you felt it was the right thing to do to kind of live up to other people's expectations or society's expectations. So it can be really helpful to start to connect with what do you really desire and allow yourself to dream and just to tap into some of the things that are really important to you. And I think it doesn't matter about how you might even begin to achieve these things. Don't get caught up in the how and overthinking it. Just think about what it is you would really desire. If you had the choice, if you had no limits, if you had no limits financially, if you didn't have to worry about pleasing anybody, if you were just truly stepping into an empowered place that was right for you. Excuse me, my voice is a bit croaky. So in looking at the why, you're looking at the costs, you know, some of the things that are really going to hold you back and where you're going to be in a few years time if you don't change, but you're also looking for possibilities for the future. And I think people as well are slightly different in terms of what motivates them the most. Now, I know for myself, in my recovery, I found thinking about the hopes and dreams side much more helpful and more magnetic in helping me change. Having said that, the costs of bulimia were very significant to me. My teeth were suffering. My stomach used to really ache from purging. I felt so much shame and secrecy from living a very secret life that really nobody knew anything about. I spent lots of money on food as well, which really impacted me financially. My relationships were boundaryless and quite chaotic. And I was very passive with no sense of my own voice or autonomy. And yeah, I didn't really want to be living with this illness for another month or a year or longer. So I had a lot of costs that were very, very significant to me. But the costs alone for me, although they were very detrimental and distressing, they didn't always push me to the point of change. I definitely didn't like the costs, but sometimes I thought I could live with them. However, what really supported me with my recovery was leaning into my desires around what was important to me. So back then, I even knew when I was still in the depths of an eating disorder, that I was passionate about wanting to support others, wanting to give people the help that I hadn't really had. And you know, at that stage, I was in no mental or physical headspace to be able to help others. But it didn't stop me having hope, purpose and a meaning to work towards. I really wanted as well to be in a healthy relationship. I wanted to have freedom to socialise with my friends without anxiety. And I wanted to be authentic. The secrecy, the people pleasing, it clashed so much with my values. And I think for me, just being genuine and authentic is such an important they're both such important kind of values for me. So when I wasn't living in that authentic place because I was living with so much secrecy and shame, it really just hampered my well-being so much. So that's number one. Number two, feel the fear and do it anyway. (laughs) So I think often people in recovery a craving certainty and perfect control in the eating disorder recovery. 
The eating disorder has often become your life raft of the control and safety in the turbulent waters of life. Now, I know that from so many people that I've worked with as well, that they really want that certainty and precision around change and recovery, perhaps particularly around weight gain. You know, they want weight gain to be very linear and controlled. They want to feel that they are in control of the process and they're wanting to eat the right foods. And I'm saying sort of right foods in inverted commas and to put on and in, in more inverted commas the right kind of weight, <laughs> etc. And of course, like this is really impossible to achieve, isn't it? Because we're dealing with a human body here, which is not like um, a, a robot. <laughs> and um, recovery isn't a linear process. Um, you know, sometimes um, weight gain can be faster or slower and you can't really control with your body exactly where you're going to put the weight on, you know, and we're all really, really different as well. It's very hard to predict. And, um, you know, we know from Professor Christopher Fairburn and his wife who weighed each other for a year, as only an eating disorder therapist would do, they weighed each other for a year and they had to record their weight and they weren't in a phase of dieting or anything during this. They were just kind of like eating normally, going about their daily life. And they found that their weight naturally fluctuated. And that was just, you know, very, very normal ups and downs. So when we get kind of so fixated of trying to perfectly control an outcome in recovery, it's almost impossible to win. And if you're trying to perfectly control an outcome, you're always never gonna feel good enough because you're gonna feel that you're failing because you're not doing it perfectly. Okay, I hope you can't hear the rain in the background. I'm sitting up in my loft and um, the rain is pounding down on the flat roof. So hopefully you can't. But apologies if you can hear a little bit of background noise. Um, I don't really want to move right now. So also as well, if you're working with a dietitian, you're going to be advised about your eating, your eating plan based on science. So you will have been given a meal plan that predicts a certain amount of weight gain. Of course, as well, it will vary between different bodies, that is normal. But your ED team will generally work to support you with incremental change that's more manageable. So you're not going to be given a meal plan that is going to make your weight just skyrocket overnight. You know, it's all quite well thought out and it should be sort of discussed with you as well. So you have realistic expectations about the amount of weight that you're gonna gain. And usually it's done in a very sort of incremental and safe way to one, allow your body physically to adjust and also to allow your head to adjust. Now, I'm not saying as well that this will still not be difficult for many, many people in recovery. I think the weight restoration journey can be hugely challenging. But I guess what I'm saying is with some of this as well is um, try not to overthink it all. Because if you overthink it all, you're going to get absolutely tied up in knots. The best thing to do is to take the action, take the baby step action, take that step of faith and trust that it's going to be okay. You know, you will survive it. If you overthink it too much, it's like you're standing on the bungee platform, you know, about to do a bungee jump for hours, you know, and you're sort of thinking about, shall I do it, shall I not do it? What are all the possible things that could go wrong? What are all the possible outcomes? You know, just imagine how awful that would be, standing on the bungee jump platform, overthinking it. Um, I have to say, I've never done a bungee jump. <laughs> Deep respect to anyone that has. But um, I can just imagine if you are overthinking it, so much you just wouldn't do it and then you just would tie yourself up in knots 
So sometimes we just have to take the action, take the step of faith, trust that in a way the people around us are supporting us and advising us and, um, you know, remembering why we're doing this as well. I know myself, although I haven't done a bungee jump, <laughs> I'm just thinking about when I've just done a very bit of basic ninja warrior training and um, I had to like, I, I, I can't get up the big proper warped wall, you know, the one they have on the TV, but I can kind of get up one that's like about two foot lower than that. It's like a kind of, um, what do you call it? Like a three quarters warped wall or something. And then you, you so you get to the top of the wall and the only way to get down from there is you have to kind of jump onto a great big inflatable cushion thing. <laughs> and um, I know with that, the best way to deal with that is just to get straight up there, literally lean back, fall back into the cushion and you've done it, you're off the wall, you haven't over, overthought it, you're down. And I found as well that the more I repeated that process, the more I went up the wall, just threw myself off the other side, actually it became easier and easier and easier. Whereas the first time I did it, I was definitely a lot more nervous and it felt a lot more scary. So that's the thing as well, like sometimes we have to take the action so we can get the feedback loop to realize that actually what we're doing is something that, that could actually be really helpful to us and actually nothing very bad will happen. But you can only believe that nothing bad will happen when you take the action and you allow yourself to get that feedback so you can start to think about it differently. Because if you just rely on your brain to think about all the possible things that could go wrong, you will overthink it massively and tie yourself up in knots and it will be incredibly painful. Okay, so... That was number two, feel the fear and do it anyway. Number one was think all about your why. And number three is to really visualize success. So we often sabotage our success by anticipating all the terrible things that will go wrong. And then sometimes this becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So leading on really from what I was talking about before. So an example in my life, I used to believe that if I ate jam donuts, this would always lead to a full-blown binge. I feel they had, I had no control over donuts and that they controlled me. And before I'd even driven to Sainsbury's, that's a supermarket in the UK, if you're not from the UK, <laughs> to buy the jam donuts, and this was back in the bulimic days, I already knew before I'd even got in the car and driven to Sainsbury's to get these jam donuts, I knew that that was gonna lead to a binge and then probably a purge and then a huge regret and shame afterwards and spending money that I didn't have to spend and just feeling pretty awful. And I <laughs> almost visualized that whole process before I had even got in the car. I could see it mapped out in front of me. So visualization can be very powerful helpfully and unhelpfully. But what can really help in recovery, rather than doing what I was doing there, where I was anticipating the absolute worst and then almost it came true, is we can think about success, success in navigating baby steps around recovery. So just imagine as well, imagine that donuts are challenging for you. So maybe every time you eat a donut, it leads to all or nothing thinking and a full on binge. 
but maybe you are really working on trying to allow in some of your old forbidden foods, one of these being donuts, and you want to be able to do this in a managed and controlled way. You want to feel that you have some control over the donuts. You want to have a successful experience in eating a donut that doesn't lead to a full on binge. So this is where you can use visualization in a really positive way. So you can think ahead to the time later in the day when you're going to be eating the donut. So you can kind of visualize yourself maybe going to a cafe with your friend or maybe picking some up from the supermarket and then, you know, bringing and the donut home. But, you know, it's really helpful to think about ahead. Think about when you're going to eat it and how you're going to eat it. And imagine yourself enjoying the donut and tasting every mouthful of the donut. Imagine yourself eating it peacefully. Imagine yourself eating with a friend. Imagine yourself luxuriating even in the experience, thinking this is complete food freedom. I'm very happy. Imagine yourself just taking your time, enjoying it, not feeling guilty. Imagine that you don't feel the I've blown it effect. And imagine how great you will feel afterwards for managing this potential trigger situation without it leading to a binge. Imagine self-care, self-respect, self-love around eating the donut. And imagine yourself talking to yourself kindly afterwards and, um, you know, just giving yourself some reassurance and self-love and permission to have eaten the donut. And imagine yourself after the donut eating experience, doing something kind to yourself, maybe doing something to distract yourself. If you know that could be a little bit of a danger zone for you, imagine yourself really taking care of yourself. And this visualization is really, really, really powerful because it really helps kind of work on the subconscious really starts to kind of program your mind to believe actually that you can cope with these situations in a different way. And yeah, it has a lot of power. So you can use this for all kinds of things. You know, it doesn't have to be about introducing donuts. It could be about following your meal plan. It could be about going out for dinner with friends if you're feeling a bit anxious about a meal out. It could be about maybe managing being weighed or something when you go to your therapy session. It could be it could be all kinds of things. But I guess if you can visualize a success in dealing with a situation, it can be so helpful. And I'm not saying with this as well that you use this in like a kind of toxic positivity way where you pretend in a way that you have no negative feelings around it and you just dismiss all of those and you just try and kid yourself that everything's wonderful. I'm not talking about that because I think, you know, of course, you're still allowed to have all the feelings, difficult feelings may come up, but the power of visualization can be incredibly helpful and it can just be used as a tool along the way. So just give it a try, see if it works for you Our imaginations are incredibly powerful. Our mind is incredibly powerful. So give it a go. And if it works for you or it doesn't work for you, send me a DM on Instagram at the eating disorder therapist underscore. I would love to hear. 
Okay, so I hope that's given you some pointers about how to deal with sort of taking steps in recovery, perhaps when you're feeling a bit frozen. So really thinking about your why, number one. Number two, feel the fear and do it anyway. And number three, using visualization. So of course, there are more tips and tricks I'm sure that you could be using to manage this situation, but hopefully this has just given you some pointers. So I hope to see some of you in my Eating Disorder Bite Size Therapy membership. So do go and check out the link in the show notes or go to my bio on Instagram if you want to find out more. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're not following me already, do seek me on Instagram at the Eating Disorder Therapist underscore. And for further support with your relationship with food, do go to the eatingdisordertherapist.co.uk. And if you enjoy this podcast, I would be so grateful if you'd follow, rate and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. Thank you so much for listening today. And I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon.